Guess what? We're doing a series called Jesus, where we're just focusing on Jesus. But, but most, mostly in this series, we know that Jesus is all God, fully God. But sometimes we neglect to pay attention to the humanity of Jesus. Scripture tells us he is fully God, but also fully human. And, and we know that because right here today, we celebrate what? What is significant about this Sunday as we lead up to Easter? It's called what? Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. And if you've got your Bible, let me read what, what happened on Palm Sunday with Jesus. Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 8, says, A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted the famous phrase, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now that word Hosanna literally means save us. So as Jesus is riding into town, this entire crowd is just yelling, Hosanna, Jesus, save us. Now understand, Jesus, of course, came to save us. But what these people were crying out, save us, they were asking for a different kind of saving. They were asking for saving Jesus to save them from oppression, from the rule of the Roman Empire, from, from all of these things that were a little bit more what we would call worldly or physical. Jesus obviously came to save us spiritually, to reconcile us with God, but they're recognizing Jesus can save us. And they're asking and pleading and crying out, Jesus, save us. We get a great picture of the deity of Jesus here. Jesus is fully God as they lay down branches and cloaks and, and they follow him into town and just yell at the top of their lungs, Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus, save us. We recognize that he's fully God. But what I want us to pay attention to this morning is actually what happens this coming Thursday for Jesus. Sunday is Good Friday, and then you get to Thursday, and right after what we did earlier, what we now call communion, but was the Passover, the Lord's Supper that he celebrated with his disciples. Right after that, there's a scene that I want us to pay attention to. You can find it in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're mainly going to look at what Matthew sees with a little bit of what Luke sees, and we're going to notice the humanity of Jesus. Jesus is fully God, but also fully human. Here's the scene that begins to unfold after Jesus is in, uh, after Jesus has the, the Passover dinner and celebration with his disciples. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36, says, then Jesus went with his disciples, but we know that we're minus one. Judas went off to, to betray him, so he's down to 11 at this point. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over where? Where does it say? Over there. Sit here while I go over there, to what? What's his, what's his purpose here? To pray. Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, so Peter, James, and John along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. If you're taking notes or if you underline like I do in my Bible, I would underline or write down these two words, troubled and sorrowful, full of trouble and sorrow. Then he said to them, specifically to Peter, James, and John here, he said to them, my soul is, look at this, overwhelmed. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So Jesus knows what's coming. He's finished the Passover meal. He's given them what we now call communion, the Lord's Supper, to remember him. He's giving them just a glimpse into what's about to happen, but he knows. And what he does in his final moments, because the very next thing after this scene, we'll see, is when he is then betrayed, arrested, 
He has his trial, crucifixion, and then, of course, what we celebrate next Sunday of his resurrection. But leading up to that, in his final moments, he gets all of his disciples together, and he says, come with me. And he tells them to do what? Sit here while I go where? Over there. Sit here. But he invites these 11 disciples with him to what we call the Garden of Gethsemane. He invites them there and says, I want you to be with me. So he has his close friends with him. He says, sit here. But then he pulls three of them, Peter, James, and John. He says, come with me a little bit closer. And he pulls them a little bit farther. And he doesn't do this with the other disciples, but he does it with Peter, James, and John. He just begins to open up. Jesus, fully God, but also fully human, he opens up. It says he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed. He has Peter, James, and John go a little bit further away from the disciples and he just begins to unload. He said, man, I am just troubled, deeply troubled, full of sorrow, full of trouble. My, my soul is overwhelmed. And then he makes an ask. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and what? You remember what it said? Keep what? Keep watch with me. And then he goes further off into pray. So Jesus intentionally placed two groups of people in close proximity, but different proximity to him. He gets all of his disciples together, invites them with him to be at the garden with him and says, be here with me. Sit here while I go over there and pray. Be right here, be present. But Peter, James, and John, I need you to come a little bit closer. So he pulls Peter, James, and John even closer. And it's to those three men that he's become close with that he begins to just share his heart and his soul and unload a little bit. I'm full of sorrow. I'm full of trouble. Trouble. My heart and soul are overwhelmed. And then he goes off by himself to what? What did he do? To pray. He goes further off to pray. And this is great because you see the humanity of Jesus here. Understand, this is Jesus, the fully God, the son of God, but also fully human. And he's admitting, I'm full of trouble and full of sorrow. Could you imagine Peter, James, and John listening to Jesus say, oh, fellas, like I, I, I'm, I'm deeply troubled. I am just overwhelmed with sorrow. And, and Peter, James, and John are thinking, this is Jesus. I mean, we've seen him pull demons out of people. We've seen him walk on water in the middle of a storm. The waves and the winds obey his, his voice. This must be really bad or he's overreacting, one of the two. And, and they're here, here just listening to Jesus be so vulnerable and distraught. But Jesus intentionally has these different people in close proximity with him. He has his, his, his friends close. He wanted his disciples close by but he also wanted his close friends even closer. Jesus, in his humanity, remember, fully God, fully human, but in his humanity, he needed his friends close, but his close friends even closer. And he didn't ask them to do anything other than to just be there. Did you catch that? He didn't say, man, guys, this is gonna be, this is gonna be a rough couple days here. I need you to help me out. There's no ask for help. There's no ask to carry his burden. There's no ask to do anything other than to, for this group, the remaining disciples to, to sit, sit here, just be here. I want you to be close. For Peter, James, and John, he asks a little bit more. He says, stay here and keep watch. Keep watch. In other words, will you just be here? Have your eyes open around me, be praying. And then he goes off to be by himself. It's unfortunate. There's, there's a misconception a lot of Christians have where to be Christian means to not have any problems or troubles in your life. 
And if you do, make sure you never show it. (laughs) It's an unfortunate, big misconception. Jesus, fully God, fully human, was greatly troubled and full of sorrow. His soul was overwhelmed to the point where he needed friends and close friends just being close to him. And he didn't ask him to do anything other than to just be there. Keep watch, sit there. I call this compassion, but also comfort by proximity. Some people would say, oh, that's like them being moral support, sort of, but it's truly his disciples and and more so even Peter, James, and John, they're giving Jesus comfort by doing nothing other than being close to him. Comfort by proximity. That's what Jesus in his humanity needed. Yes, he went off to pray. We're gonna look at that in a second, but he needed his disciples and then Peter, James, and John, those even closer to him to just be there not to take care of it for him, not to carry the burden for him, not to get him out of it, but to just be there. And so often in our humanity, we don't know what to do when people are in trouble, especially when we can't fix it. Somebody starts to unload on us, kind of like Jesus did to Peter, James, and John, and we go to fix it mode. And it's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Just hang in there. We start to use all those Christianese. Well, just lay it at Jesus's feet. Could you imagine Peter, James, and John telling Jesus that? Well, just give it to God, Jesus. He's like, I'm working on it. <laughs> no, we, we don't know what to say and we don't know how to help. And, and Jesus shows us what he needed was just his friends and his close friends close by. That's it. You wanna be a great friend? Be close by. You don't always have to know what to do and how to help and what to say. The disciples, we have no record of them saying anything. They were there. The disciples sat, Peter, James, and John, as you'll see, they sort of kept watch, but they were there, they were close by so that Jesus knew he had friends close by. Jesus, fully God, fully human, needed his friends close, but his close friends even closer. We need the same thing today. We, have, we will go through and have gone through very, very different troubles and sorrows than Jesus, but we could all say, I've had troubles in my life. I've had moments of sorrow in my life. I have had moments where I will say, my soul is completely overwhelmed. We can say those things. The question is, do we have what Jesus had? Do we have comfort by proximity? Do we have people in our life, friends and close friends that give us that comfort just by being close by and being there? Jesus needed it. He knows that we need it as well. That's one of the byproducts of the church, the local church. It's one of the reasons he gave us the church. After what we'll celebrate on Sunday, his resurrection, he goes up to be with his father in heaven. He leaves the church. He says, now you've got the church. He says, I'm going to the father, but you have each other. That's why we meet. So often we, we look at this as, well, what I'm supposed to get out of it. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I hope and pray that you show up and, and you hear God speak to you through his word, that you have just great authentic moments of worship. I hope all that happens, but that's not the only thing that should happen. Hebrews speaks to this. Hebrews chapter 10, starting verse 24 says this. And let us consider how we, talking about the local church, us as a body of believers, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Look at this, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See, church attendance was a problem back with the the New Testament as well. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's what the church does. That is a byproduct of us meeting together. It's not... The the function of the church is not to just you sit and listen, for you to sit and you to watch and take a couple notes. It's for us to interact with one another. What does it say? For us to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Nowhere in here does it say, sit and listen and be quiet. (laughs) It says, 
No, we continue to meet together. The reason we meet so often is because we need each other. I want you to do this. I want you to look to the person on your right. I recognize this whole row over here, you don't have somebody on your right. So you're gonna be the, the odd group and you're gonna look to the person all the way at the other end if you can even try to see them. Look to the person to your right. Like actually do this. Look to the person on your right. And, and you may or may not know that person. You may or may not know what they're dealing with, the troubles and the sorrows that they may have in your life. But you showed up today for them. Whether you actually came with them or not, or you got stuck sitting next to them by accident, you can look at me now. It's probably getting weird you looking at the person to your right. So eyes back on me for a little bit. We think we show up to church because of what we're gonna get, what God's gonna do in our life. But understand, we came to church this morning for the other people in the room, for one another. And I'll hear it occasionally where I love Jesus. I have a great relationship, a personal relationship, but I don't need church. And I'm like, I disagree with you, but I see where you're coming from, but you're, you're not thinking of it holistically. You need to go to church because the other people need you there because we each have something to offer one another. It's exactly what Hebrews says, to encourage one another. We need that. We need that comfort by proximity, the compassion and the comfort by proximity. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna begin to practice this because I know this is difficult. We're used to just sitting and not talking until Kate or Philip or Sean tells us to greet somebody around us. And that is the most awkward part of our morning. So I'm gonna make it a little bit more awkward for you. Ready for this? All right, in your cup holders, you're gonna find a pen. You all have to do this. You all, I, I'm going to wait for you to all do this. I'm watching. Grab you your pen and grab, there's a yellow piece of paper in that cup holder. Yellow piece of paper. And if you don't have a yellow piece of paper, there's some empty chairs, grab it. Everybody should have a pen and a yellow piece of paper. Here's what I want you to do. We are going to practice what Jesus needed and what, um, what Hebrews tells us to. We are going to encourage one another. That was the last part. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So that's what we're going to do. You are going to encourage the person to your right. Once again, this whole row, guess what? You're going to encourage the person all the way down here. And you probably don't know them, especially this row. You may or may not know the person next to you, but we can all write something encouraging. All right? So the key word is encourage. I'm glad you got that. You're listening. Yes. Encourage. It can be a scripture that's been encouraging to you. It could be something motivational like, hang in there, keep it up, don't give up. I don't care what it is, as long as it's actually encouraging. Write it, don't do anything with it yet, but you're gonna write it and just know you're writing it to the person to your right. So if you do know the person, make it specific. So, you ready? Start writing, I'm, gonna, I'm doing this too. You don't have to write a novel, just a couple words, a phrase, a line, a sentence, something that's encouraging. I want you to fold it up, fold it up. And then, here you go, you're gonna actually pass it to the person to your right, whether you know them or not. You're gonna hand them a note of encouragement. Folks all the way on this side where you don't have somebody on your right, just pass it all the way down so the person all the way on this side is gonna actually get it. Does that make sense? Pretty simple instructions. Write an encouraging note, pass it to the person on your right. Technically over here, I can't see who that is, but you're the person all the way on my right. Who is that over there? Oh, here you go. There you go. There's, there's my note of encouragement for you. Pass it to the right. You may have to stand up, move around a little bit, or just pass it all the way down. Remember, if you're all the way on this side, pass it all the way to this end. Everybody should have a yellow piece of paper. Now, you may or may not want to open it now. Uh, that's up to you. But that's what the church does. This is how the church actually functions. 
Jesus, fully God, fully human, needed people close by to him that really didn't do anything other than they were just there. And Hebrews tells us we need to continue to meet together because we encourage one another. It is not just to hear the greatest message you've ever heard of your life. It's not just to hear some great music. It's so that we can meet together to encourage one another, to spur each other on. The body of believers meet together because we need each other. If I got hit by a bus, I pray you would still meet because you need each other. It's not based on one person other than Jesus. We, we meet together so we can continue to encourage one another. So that's that first part of this scene. Jesus gets his disciples together and we see his need to have people close to him. They're not taking anything over from him. They're just there. And the church is what we get to be part of that allows us to have that as well. Jesus needed it. We need it also. Verse 39, here's the next part of this. So Jesus got his disciples. He talked with Peter, James, and John. And it says he went a little bit further too. What was that key word? Pray. Here's the prayer. Verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, which by the way, if you've ever needed scriptural uh, evidence, if you needed a scripture to back up uh, your reason for falling asleep in church, I've got it for you right there. They fell asleep while Jesus was praying. So man, if, if somebody could fall asleep while Jesus is doing his thing, I have no offense. I don't take it personal if you fall asleep on me as well, because there's your verse. Jesus goes on, verse 41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and he prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more. And he what? Prayed. The third time saying the same thing. Notice the, 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 common, the commonality here is he kept doing what? praying. He kept going back to pray. He had his friends close, his closer friends even closer, but he went away to pray. Fully troubled, a soul that was overwhelmed, he got away to just pray, to just pray. And so often we don't have a large emphasis on prayer, we run into our troubles and our sorrows and our moments of being overwhelmed and we try to fix it ourselves. We try to do anything and everything, but prayer doesn't seem to be on the front of that. And if we do pray, it's, it's a different kind of prayer because understand what Jesus is praying for. That'll help us know how to pray when we're in these same moments. What the humanity of Jesus prayed, please, please understand this because if you just kind of gloss over it, it could look like, is Jesus getting cold feet here? <laughs> is Jesus begging God, please, I don't want to do this anymore. Is he trying to back out of what he originally came to do? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Look at the prayer a little bit closer. He says, my father, if it is possible, the it that he's talking about there is salvation. If it is possible, if it is possible that, that the world could still be saved, because that's what Jesus came to do. He came to save the world, to reconcile, to restore us and God, for him to take our sin and the sin of the world and for him to take on that sin to go to the cross so that he conquers death, but more importantly, conquers sin. That's what he came to do. So he's not getting cold feet. He's saying, God, if it is possible, if the mission can still be accomplished, if everyone, if the world can still be saved, but, but may this cup be taken from me. Cup, the Old Testament uses this terminology all over the place. 
the cup that he's referring to is not the mission. It's the fact that, or it's referring to the wrath of God on sinners. In the Old Testament, when you see the cup, it's in reference to the wrath God has on sinners. Here's what Jesus is saying. God, the world needs to be saved. That's the mission. That's not changing. But if we can accomplish that mission, if people can be saved, if I can still save the world, but not have to endure your wrath of sin, your wrath on sin, let's do that. Because understand, God's wrath on sin is separation from him. Jesus is not worried. I mean, I, I have no doubt from his humanity side, there, there's some nerves there, but nowhere in here is he worried about what man will do to him. He knows the cross is coming. He knows about the, the pain and the excruciating pain that he will have on the cross. And he's not asking for that to go away. He's saying, God, is there any way for me to save everybody but me not to be separated from you? Because Jesus cannot fathom being separated from God the Father. Jesus, fully God, fully human, cannot imagine being separated from God. He's like, if there's a way for me to save the world and not be separated from you, let's do that. However, if it's not possible, I'm all in. I'm all in. Remember what Jesus said on the cross because we would think we would, I mean, I, I could imagine the, the, I cannot imagine the pain that Jesus had gone through, but I can certainly imagine my cries for help in those moments. But Jesus was silent all the way through his arrest, his beatings, and his crucifixion. The only things that we really see is he asked for a drink, but then the only crying out that he gave, what did he cry out on the cross? Do you remember? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The only crying out Jesus did was when God and Jesus then separated, when Jesus no longer was connected with God. That's what Jesus is asking for. He's like, if I can still complete what I came here to do and save the world, reconcile them back to you, but I don't have to be separated from you, let's do that. But, and he says this part all three times as well, but it's your will, not mine. Your will, not as I will. That's the prayer that Jesus prayed. He's not asking for it to be changed or taken away. He's just like, hey, at the end of the day, I'm all in. I'm all in. Now, I want you to see in Luke, I told you the same account is in all four Gospels. I want you to see what Luke sees. And, and the way that the Gospels work, just so you know, if, if we all say, saw the same car wreck out here on 453 when the new interchange goes in, yeah, like that's never going to happen. We can be praying for that. May's coming. But if we all saw the same accident, we would all have about the same story, but we would all have seen or focused on different aspects of that same car accident. That's how the gospels work. When you have the gospels, they're telling the same story, but they have different perspectives. I want you to see what Luke, what he emphasized here. Luke chapter 22, verse 42, he's still focusing on Jesus's prayer. Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Look at verse 43. An angel from heaven appeared to him and what? Strengthened Jesus. God did not send an angel to change anything. God did not send an angel to swap places with Jesus. No, God answered Jesus's prayer by strengthening him. And so often when we pray, when we have these moments of trouble and sorrow and being overwhelmed, we say, God, fix it. God, change it. God, remove this and, and change this. Move that person out of my life and have that person be in my life. And I, we tend to ask God to change and fix things. God doesn't promise that throughout his word. I'm telling you, 
You're not going to find, pray and I'll fix everything. No, what he says is pray and I'll give you the strength that you need. Pray and I'll give you a peace that the world cannot give you. God promises peace and strength, not to fix it. And that's what we see here. Jesus is praying and a prayer of affirmation. God, I know your will is for me to save the world. I get that. That doesn't change. But I need the strength to do this. And God answers and sends him an angel to strengthen him. Our humanity needs the same thing. Affirmation of what we are to do and the strength to do it. So when God doesn't remove it, whatever the it is in your life, whatever trouble and problem and sorrow and overwhelming that you're feeling, when God doesn't remove it, when God doesn't change it, when God doesn't fix it, he most certainly will give you the strength to get through it. He's not going to always, and I would even venture to say most of the time, he's not going to just fix it. But he promises to give you the strength to get through it. When God doesn't remove it or change it, he'll always give you the strength to get through it. What was the key Key common denominator here, what does Jesus do? He prays. And I believe in the power of prayer. We pray and our God answers. Not always the answer we want, but he strengthens us and gives us peace. So here's what I want you to do. The second thing I'm gonna have us do together is pull out your worship guide again. If you didn't grab a worship guide when you came in, make sure to do it next week because you never know when I'll make you do this again. Uh, you can use like the, the tell us your story card or, or something else, any kind of piece of paper you've got. But I talk about the communication card every single week. And yes, it's important, but let me tell you why it's important and why it has been important, why it will always be important is because of this one space at the very bottom, prayer requests. I told you, I believe in the power of prayer. Jesus in his final moments, as distraught as we have ever seen him, prayed. May that be what we go to first, pray. And know that these cards don't, don't just get glossed over and thrown away. No, myself, my wife, our team, we have a prayer team that Monday and Tuesday go through every single one of these and pray for whatever is on that prayer request. Whether there's a name on it or not, we pray. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do exactly what Jesus did and what he needed. We're going to pray. What is, what is something that we can be praying for you about, praying with you about? What do you need strengthening with? What have you been asking God to fix and it's not getting fixed, so you just need the peace and the strength to get through it? Let's do it now. And then I'll have you guys uh, drop these in the, the buckets as you leave this morning. But take a minute. I'm going to do it with you. What's something that we can be praying for you about? There's power in prayer. don't want to put your name on it, you're more than welcome to not put your name on it. God knows who you are. I don't have to. That's all right. Write down your prayer request. And when you leave this morning, you head out of the auditorium, drop it in the baskets as you leave. There's power in prayer. Jesus had close friends close by to him. He needed comfort by proximity. He also needed prayer. In fact, he went back and prayed the same thing three times to allow God to strengthen him, to give him what he needs. Let me show you the last part here as you're wrapping up on writing your prayers. Verse 45, last part. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now here's where we get stuck and it's just part of human nature. We, we talk about things and then we know things and then we, for Christians, we pray about things. And then we go and we talk about them again. And we try to figure it out and then we pray about it some more and then 
we go back and we talk about it a little bit more. And uh, let me just pray to make sure. And let's go and talk about it one more time. We get in this cycle of being stuck where we talk about it. We know what needs to be done. Uh, we pray about it. We have what we need, but we never move to actually doing it. We don't move to the executing of it. All we're doing is getting stuck in this talk about it, know about it, pray about it, talk about it, know about it, pray about it. I'll give you an example. In my, in my personal life, spring is here, which means spring cleaning is here. So let me tell you two things. First, light bulbs. Second, air filters. I have a problem changing them. Now, it's not a short joke, so I know some of you went there. Not the reason I have a problem changing them. There's in my head just something that I don't want to change light bulbs and air filters. Now, here's the thing. I know I need to change light bulbs and air filters. When I finally get around to changing the air filter and I see what it looks like, I always tell myself, man, I should change this earlier. Nah, I probably won't. I know what needs to be done. And I have exactly what I need. I actually have cases of air filters in my garage currently. I have packages of light bulbs in our closet currently. In fact, my wife has been asking me to change the light bulbs for a while now. And she finally moved the package of light bulbs to my sink in the bathroom, thinking I would get a hint. Because one of the lights that needs to be changed is in our bathroom. And it took more effort for me to do this, but I, I took that and I went and put it back in the closet. <laughs> and she's like, I just put it out for you. I was like, I know, but it was in my way. She's like, so change the light bulb. It's like, I'll get to it. We get stuck in that. I mean, everybody has one of those where, man, we know we need to take a vacation. We, we, we're going to say, oh, well, let's just keep looking. You know, we get stuck in this, talk about it, know about it, pray about it, and never do it. And here Jesus he does not get stuck in the knowing and the, do, and the doing. He moves to it. He says that last part, rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayal. He's like, it's go time. It's go time. He had his friends close that he could confide in. He prayed a prayer of affirmation. God, this is your will for me to save the world. Your will, not my will. He prayed about it. God gave him the strength to get through it. The next step is actually doing it. And Jesus doesn't wait. He doesn't see the betrayer come. He says, ah, let's pray a fourth time. Let's one more time, one more time. Now he says, let's go. It's time. Church, at some point, we have to move from knowing and having the capability and the ability. We have to move to actually doing it. Jesus, his job, the will of God for Jesus was to save the world. We get stuck sometimes because we're like, well, I don't know what God's will is for me. I'll tell you. So you can't use that excuse anymore. Here's what it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting verse 17. And scripture tells us the same thing over and over and over in different ways all throughout scripture. Here's God's will, not just for Jesus, but also for us. Verse 17 out of 2 Corinthians 5. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and the new life has begun. So specifically, we're talking about God's will for us as believers. If you have Jesus in your heart, here's God's will for us as we're going to see. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. That was Jesus's job. And God has given us this task, this job. Here's the will of God for us. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Now he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ, what are we? His what? His ambassadors says that we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal to us through us. He's using us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Jesus 
He knew his, God's will for his life, save the world. Every single one of us, generally speaking, as a believer, God's will for our life is this. Our job is to tell that wonderful message of reconciliation. Here's what Jesus has done for you. Here's what Jesus has done for me. Here's my life change story because of what Jesus has done in my life. That's our job. God's will for our life is to tell everyone. He's using us, speaking through us, using the relationships we know to get this message to every single person. That's our job. And we need people around us that can comfort us because we go, just like everybody else, we go through highs and lows. And our prayers are our prayers of affirmation. Okay, God, I know what you're asking of me because we just read it in your word. I don't know if I can do that. Remember, God gives us the strength. He gives us the peace. We need to do it and to get through it. At some point though, it's our job like Jesus say, all right, let's go. No more talking about it. No more just praying about it. Let's go. Jesus' words, rise, let's go. Rise, let's go. And he goes and he does exactly what we needed him to do as our Savior. That's our job. I pray that we, yes, talk about it. Yes, pray about it. But I more pray, more so pray that we would actually do it. So the last thing I'm going to have us do together this morning is we are going to do just that. I want you to pull out one more thing, still have a pen, and there are name tags, a name tag cut up in your cup holder. Pull out that name tag for me. Pull out the name tag. And especially with Easter coming up, I'm telling you, I mean, Easter is going to be great here at Mountain Lake, uh, but it's mainly going to be great because of the message that we are going to be proclaiming. Jesus is alive. That reconciliation that 2 Corinthians talked about, we're going to be sharing that wonderful message of reconciliation next week. And I love that all of you are here. And if you're here for the first time, I am, I am super glad that you are here. But for the next few moments, I want to focus on those that are not here, that need to be here. Those that need to hear this wonderful message of reconciliation, need to hear how Jesus loves them, how he died for them, and how we fit into his story. The people that need to hear stories of life change because of Jesus. So what I want you to do is I want you to write down a name of somebody that you know that is not here but needs to be here next week. You can write their actual name. You can write an initial. Um, maybe it's somebody that you pass by all the time and you actually don't even know their name. Um, this is that opportunity to put somebody in mind. Who is God saying that's a person that needs to be here to hear this wonderful message and it's our job to tell them about it? And one of the greatest and easiest ways, not that it should always be easy, but you invite them to a place where they're going to hear about Jesus. And you get to talk about it with them afterwards. So right here, right now, write a name. Who is somebody? Write it on that name tag. Who is somebody that is not here, that God's put on your heart? He's asking you, that's somebody that needs to be here with you next week. Because I hope you all are here next week. But I hope there's those that are not here. I hope that you bring them with you. Here's what we're going to do during this next song is uh, you'll notice, I mean, there's a lot of seats that are full. There's also a lot of empty seats. And next week and the weeks after, uh, we are not a church that's about filling up seats. However, I know without a doubt what happens when people sit in these seats. They hear about Jesus, hear the life change stories of meeting Jesus, hear God's word and the Holy Spirit speaks to hearts. We enter into his presence through times of worship. I believe that when somebody sits in one of these seats, they start making 
small steps towards Jesus. We have the job. It is God's will for our life to be part of that. So during this next song, um, I want you to find an empty chair. It can be a chair right next to you. You can move around. You can stay put, but find an empty chair. And I want you to put that name tag, the name of who you're praying to invite, and actually going to invite this week on any empty chair. If you're having a hard time finding empty chairs, I've got an entire front row right here. And this will be cool because next week, I believe there's going to be people sitting in this front row. Maybe it's somebody you invite. Maybe they begin to make steps towards Jesus for the first time, giving church another shot. Point is, he has asked us to be part of the life change stories of other people. May we do just that. The humanity of Jesus needed people close to him. He needed prayer to be strengthened by God. And he did what needed to be done. I pray we'll do the same. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what you show us in your word. Thank you for how you, you teach us through example. And even in your humanity, being fully God and fully human, you still needed people around you. You needed to have comfort by proximity. You still prayed to God the Father and were strengthened by him to get what you needed. But you didn't delay. You didn't wait. You didn't hesitate. When it was time for the mission, you went. You went for me, you went for every single one of us. May we do the same this week. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this song, feel free to get up, move around, find an empty chair, come down here. I hope to see with some name tags on this front row, but you put this name tag on an empty chair around you.